The Las Vegas Raiders have partnered with the global lifestyle app TrueConnect to give the gift of wellness. Transform your mind, body, and soul through thousands of hours of premium fitness content, guided meditations, progress tracking, and more. Visit tcfree.fit to redeem one free year of TrueConnect exclusively for Raider Nation. You're listening to the Raiders Podcast Network, your official home for all things silver and black. Back on Radio Row, Brian Baldinger joins us. Baldy, great to see you. Hometown JT. guys. Yes. Good Strong Island. Strong no Island all the way, it. yes. No yes. doubt about it. The work you do has never been better. Congratulations mm. on everything. The breakdowns, I'm using them live on my show. When Are you? you? Post them. Of course, when I see them, because I'm on Sunday night <laughs> yeah, Sunday for Mad Dog and yep. then uh, doing my Raiders work. And when I see you put something out on Max or even from another team, I look yeah. at it. How quickly do you turn that around? And who owns that property? Because obviously you have a lot of different platforms. Well, I, mean, I think I it's amazing. The NFL. Yep. So um, the NFL has... Uh, the rights to all the, yep. the film. So they've let me use it for a variety of different things. I don't benefit personally from it, but, you know. <laughs> that's where I'm going. That's where I'm going. Well, we need okay, to talk. I, you see all these, see all this advertising? That's where I'm going. Uh, I, I do it. Um, it's great. I do it, JT, honestly. I started it because I felt like there was a big gap, a huge gap, between what anybody watched on television and then what they gleaned from any, and I'm not to knock any analyst out here at all, but there's just so much any analyst could do. And I just thought there was a big gap, so I started, let me just fill in the gaps a little bit, explain the game a little bit more. And then what I found was the instant connection to fans and players. Right. So, obviously, Max, you know, but in, in, with Raiders. But, you know, Devontae Adams. I mean, all these guys, uh, if I did something on Dylan Parham, like, he would mm-hmm. retweet it pretty quick. Yeah. You know, because I like the way he played. But it, I, I just felt like the fans and the players really liked it. The players, they could make X amount of dollars, millions of dollars. But if they found somebody that really understood what they were doing and explained it properly, they really enjoyed that. Great segue to Dylan Parham, Colt Miller yep. at left tackle. So, Without Aaron Rodgers, Brady retired, whoever the quarterback's going to be, how many new offensive linemen does Dave Ziggler have to get in the draft in free agency to tighten this up? Because you know how much money they have to spend on defense. Well, I like the left side. Okay. I like Colton and I like Dillon. Like, I, there's been a rotating group at right tackle, as we know. Uh, you could always – I don't think you have to go overspending free agency. I don't think you have to spend a first-round pick. I mean, Jordan Mulatto was a seventh-round pick. He's a freak. But you could find you could find good, adequate linemen. You've got to develop them, though. You know, you've got to have a teacher and you've got to develop. Um, they obviously have holes on defense, and they have to address it. They, they, they have continued to do it, but it's just been we, – we know what that roster keeps looking like. It keeps Brian, changing. Brian Baldinger joins us. So what is the optimism for Patrick Graham to get smarter and more athletic players in the draft and free agency? A linebacker, maybe another corner? I mean, those are big holes, Baldy. They're huge. They're huge holes. Like, I feel like there's nobody else like Max Crosby in the whole league. Mm-hmm. And the way that he defeats blocks in the run game in, in pass rush, I think he needs an inside presence, an inside push. I, I don't see that guy on the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just somebody like the Eagles have Javon Hargrave. They went to free agency. They got him. Right. Like, he's a huge difference maker. I think, feel like Max needs somebody to push. But, yes, they, they need a, an elite corner. They need, um, they need a linebacker. Uh, they just need an impactful player. You know, it, you could choose a position, close your eyes and throw it. They need guys that make an impact. How does the team, back to the old line, how does a team have the leading rusher 
in the NFL without an elite offensive line. Please explain that to me. Well, I, I'm not saying that they're not elite, but what, what was disappointing, though, especially with, like, losses to New Orleans this right. year, you know, which was just how you could – when you have the leading rusher, you should be able to pay that off, whether it's by – play action right but you should you should once he's running like he did against i mean pick a game denver i mean so many great games josh had this year you got to make that running game pay off and i don't feel like as an offense they did that and that's not a function of the offense that's a function of how the offense is designed you have a fair criticism on what you think Derek did or didn't do at the line of scrimmage that he did with John Gruden or Rich Passaccia that he didn't do with Coach McDaniels, which the next quarterback will do better. We saw what Stidham did against the Niners I know. in that game, especially Brian outside the pocket. the best performance pocket. by a quarterback I saw with the Raiders in a long time. I mean, that was a great defense. Wow. Um, that, was, that was some performance that day. Uh, the 49ers didn't break down. He just beat them. Now, I don't know how if he could do that. I, mean, I know he followed up the next week. wasn't as good. I just thought that last game against Pittsburgh was awful yeah. by Derek. I mean, the final interception, like, to Hunter, like, that's a touchdown throw. It's the wrong throw. He made the wrong throw. I mean, you got to throw that ball to an open patch of grass. They completely broke down in coverage in the back end. That should have been a touchdown. And there's too many plays like that left on the field. Last one. What's next for you? Your life. I mean, I love the work you do, and I know you've been doing this a long time. NFL Network's treat, treats you great. What's going on in your personal life? Oh, I mean, I'll be in Belize next Friday. Diver, the Blue Hole. Yeah, I'm Tell a diver. Tell me about that. Yeah, I've, I'm I've done a... the Great Barrier Reef. I haven't done that one. Oh, the Blue Holes. You got oh. to go see them. It's 60 miles offshore, so a little bit of a boat ride to get out there. But, no, I'll be diving next Friday. I'll be in the Blue Hole just uh, looking for hammerheads or Good. whatever's out there. Yeah, I'm a thank, diver, man. Thank you, my friend. Good you to bet see you. You. Yep. you got it. JT, back with you on Radio Row. The Hall of Famer, Tim Brown, joins us. Good to see you, Timmy. Hey, good to see you, baby. A bunch of Radio Rows for you. This is my 25th. <laughs> oh, you've, God, been, I can't. you've been there with me I for can't. most of it. I think I've come to every one yeah. since 88. Tell me about Heisman to the Hall. This looks yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah well, you know, uh, when I was getting ready to go into the Hall of Fame, uh, I had a buddy to come up to me. Literally, I'm about to get on the bus and go do my speech to tell me that, that I know I was only the ninth guy to win the Heisman and be in the Hall of Fame. You know, that was before Woodson went in. And I was like, dude, I mean, there must have been 50 guys to do that. What are you talking about? You know what I mean? And literally on the bus ride over to my enshrinement speech, I'm Googling up how many Heisman winners are in the Hall of Fame. And it, at that time, they hadn't added me, so there was only eight guys. So I was, I was really shocked, blown away by that. But the immediate thought was, what an incredible legacy that's, yeah. that is to leave on the football field. Can we leave that kind of legacy off the football field, you know? And can we get together, form a foundation, which we have, HGH Foundation? Can we partner with, you know, NFL Films, can, mm -hmm. which we have, uh, Hall of Fame Village, which we have, Prudential, who have come in, who's come in and, and done an incredible job for us? Can we partner with these people and, and, and really build something that is lasting off the football field as long as our legacy on the football field? So that, that's what we're trying to accomplish. Tell right me now. about just two or three of the guys in this great fraternity and the bonds you have from them, either looking up to them before you got to Notre Dame yeah. or learning something about them since you've been a part of this? Well, you know, I have sort of a personal relationship with almost all the guys, you know, besides Doak Walker, um, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's been it's been really, really incredible. Of course, I play with Marcus, you know, I, I tell people all the time, I hate to admit that a USC <laughs> guy taught me anything, but you know, right. he certainly taught me how to be a real leader in the NFL, the way he handled the situation he had with 
with the Raiders uh, for those three or four or five years we were together. Of course, I, I got the first five years of Charles Woodson's, you know, career. Yeah. You know, and um, so I, I think that relationship, you know, was, was cemented a long time ago. I grew up a Cowboy fan, so Tony Dorsett and Roger Staubach were my guys. guys. You know, everybody loves the Tyler Rose, Errol Campbell. The king. <laughs> Unbelievable. You know, and, um, you know, I think when you look at um, – you know, Paul Horning, of course, he's a Notre Dame guy who I've been knowing since 84, 85. He was around all the time. All the time, then, right? All Amazing. the time, you know. So, uh, but like I said, Doak is probably the only one I didn't have a personal relationship with. Tim Brown joins us. So, Timmy, a couple things on the Raiders. It's getting real. It's getting complicated with the quarterback really situation, is. and really you is. are, you are generally always respectful. You know yep. what? You know your voice carries a lot yep. in the Raider Nation. I thought Tom Brady would have been a nice fit just because of the relationship with Josh McDaniels. Sure. Then you hear Aaron Rodgers at 39, and he's going to disappear for four days and go on a darkness retreat. But you know he's got two recent MVPs sure. and probably a little bit left. Yeah. Is that the type of fit you want to see, or do you want to develop a quarterback again? No, I, I, I don't think that Devontae came there to to be with a developing quarterback. I think, and, I, and of course, it's what I think. It's not what I know. But I, I think there could be an issue, you know, um, with him if, you know, at this stage of his career, mm -hmm. he's having to deal with, right. you know, a developing quarterback. So, um so I think they're going to try and avoid that as much as they possibly can. And if they can't find somebody to get the guy they want, then maybe, you know, it, it's a situation they have to deal with. But um, um, I, I think it's pretty, I've been seeing some stuff online with Devontae and, <laughs> and, and Aaron. So I don't know how many draft picks uh, the Raiders have. They will gave them all up already. So, uh, but look, man, it, it's a very – uh, pretentious situation right now, I believe, that I think that, you know, everybody has to be very, very careful about the next moves they make. Yeah, it's important. Because it's, it, could be a, it could be a legacy move. And the know? defense has got to be rebuilt, too. Yeah. you got Max Crosby, and they're trying to fill holes here. When you see Max play and, you know, his young career with the Raiders, what jumps out of you? Look, man, you know, the energy that he puts out, you know, I, I usually say something to him after every game, win, lose. Wow. I'll say something to him on Twitter or whatever, just uh, DM him and say, good job, great. You know, not anything in depth, but just, you know, encouraging him to keep doing what he's doing. Um, you know, you would, you would just hope, man, that that, that energy would spread. Yeah. Well, you know, guys would be like, man, I may not have that talent, but I can give that energy. I can give that effort, man, because he is a he is a top-notch effort player, and that's that's all you ask for, man, you know? Were you pleasantly surprised what you saw with Josh Jacobs? Because going into that Hall of Fame game in the preseason, and I've talked to you since, no one – I kind of agree with the Raiders not giving him the fifth-year option before the season. Sure. I thought he had to prove a little bit more. Then he blew everyone's expectations out. What would you think? Oh, I, I was – you know, I look. I, I get what happened in, in in training camp. Yeah. You know, but look, I don't know if they needed to do that. They probably thought they were doing something. But if Josh Jacobs was worth his weight in gold, like everybody thought, then knowing that it's your contract year, uh, possibly your contract year, if that's not enough to get you going, I don't know of anybody that, you know, who's a great player that in their contract year, they didn't have a great year, you know, because you know <laughs> it's, if you don't, 
JT, it's over. You're setting you know? me up good because I got to ask you about Mr. Davis and how many contract years did you have with him? I don't remember the length, but I remember how long you were there. What was it like with Mr. Davis going into a contract year or talking about? Yeah. Was it with your agent, you? How did that? What was that like? Yeah, I, I stayed out of it. Marvin Dimov pretty much handled yeah. all that. But, um, you know, it got to the point towards the, probably the last seven, eight years, they would come to me almost every year to – to clear money to help with somebody right. else. And, and for that, I would get a guarantee two years down the road instead of one year down the road. Did you so, like that? Yeah, I mean, for yeah. me, it, you know, it, it it solidified that no matter what happens, I'm going to get paid two right. years from now. Right. You know what I mean? So if I go play with another team or not. So I think from that standpoint, it was something that I was always comfortable with. You know, of course, you know, I think back now, I should have got more cash. I should have pushed it a, <laughs> a little, little bit, bit more, but, right? But it, it's all good. Hey, last one. I want to wrap it up with your family because we've known each other a long time. Tell us about your kids, your wife, your faith, everything yeah. you're doing and what's going on with your personal life. Uh, look, man, life, uh, you know, from that standpoint, couldn't be much better. You know, my kids are great. All four of them are in yeah. town. Uh, all day. Yeah. Good. You know, for the uh, for the premiere, the premiere of the documentation is going to be Friday, uh, awesome. Saturday night at uh, 8, 8 p.m. Eastern on Fox. Um, so we uh, we're very happy about that. So they're all I haven't seen a lot of people have seen the documentary already. I wanted to wait and, and see it with my family. And nice. um, so uh, but, yeah, all the kids are here. Wife is here and she's just as beautiful and as the ever best. and uh, and uh, doing a great job. No doubt about it. Thanks, Timmy. Always Thank appreciate, you. appreciate your time. You, JT. Thank you. Thank you. We're back here on Radio Row. This is Thursday, and I'm with NFL Network Steve Weiss. And Steve, it's it's really starting to starting to ramp up here today. You you can feel it. I mean, yes. Thursday is usually the day. That's when a lot of folks start coming into town on the Super right. Bowl site. But the energy is here, right? And, and this is what you want. You want it to kind of build up, right? And then peak on Sunday. But for what we do and everything, all right, let's go. Let, yeah. Let, let, let's make it happen. Right. Let's really push. We've been talking about this game for ten days now. Yeah. Now let's push the final X's and O's. And see what's going to happen. But as you know, the Super Bowl is not just a game, man. It's an no, event. It's, it's an next event. level. Yeah, it's an event. Which is, yep. Look how the people here on Radio Row. It hasn't right. been like this for the past two or three years. So that's a cool part of stuff too. How? Yeah. Let's get to that. How, how nice is that to see it starting to get back to normal again? It's been it's been a while, but it's starting to get ramped up again. It, it, it's great because you know, look, as a, as a country, as a world, right. we haven't been back to normal for a couple of years. But to kind of see. All of our media brethren yeah. back here. Remember, it's not Radio Row anymore. It's Media right. Row. They had, they corrected me on that. They I was correct- calling it Radio Row. They said Media Row, Media Center. Because we have <laughs> podcasts. Yeah. We have we have original broadcasts right. as well as the radio stuff. So that's another element to us. You see all the big stages and sets. Right. I love it. The energy again. You see Gronk walking around here right. and, and guys acting up. You're feeling what you're supposed to feel right now. Well, I know a lot of people are excited because uh, Rihanna's going to be on the third floor yeah. in a little while, and so that's going to be a showstopper. It's, it kind of reminds me of when uh, Beyonce was performing in New Orleans, and all of a sudden we we're all doing interviews, and they're like, oh, no, here's Beyonce, and it just stopped. Yeah, like later. We'll, hey, we'll Deion catch Sanders is like, I'm out. I got to go see yeah. Be- yeah, <laughs> Beyonce. We'll, we'll be right back. <laughs> right. So that's how it's going to be when Rihanna, uh, when she hits the, well, not the stage, but when she hits the third floor a little bit later on this afternoon. So for this game, um, we always talk about games are one in the trenches. I feel like yeah. this is the ultimate game is going to be one in the trenches. It, it really is. You know, and you look at the Eagles on both lines. Let's start with the offensive line. Talking to coaches who've played against them, they're like the best line in the NFL. And it all starts with Jason Kelsey. Right. You know, as great as Lane Johnson is, so it starts with Kelsey. The athleticism, the strength, the way he's still playing. Right. I mean, you look at some of the stuff, the games they run with him as a center, pulling and just looping. It, it, it is amazing the way he handles it. And then on the defensive front, you know, as good as they are talent-wise, right. 
they dressed 10 guys. Most teams only dress 10 defensive linemen, so they roll depth in. Right. That's why guys like Ndamukong and Sue, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, you know, it's not just Hassan Reddick. Right. And Javon Hargrave, their nose tackle is the real is the straw that stirs the drink there. So yeah. they're really good, but don't discount the Chiefs. Right. right. Okay. Yeah. We, we know their tackles are probably vulnerable to speed rush. Mm -hmm. That's you can see Andy Reid do some screens, do some things to get right. underneath that. So the play calling could offset some of the Eagles strengths. And that's why this is going to be such a good game right. on paper. looks like the Eagles up front, but you just never know how Andy Reid and Steve Spagnuolo are going to offset things. I'm excited for it. It's yeah. really one of the better, I think, Super Bowls that we're going to see in a while. I mean, this one's fantastic. Let's hope so. I, I, yeah, I believe so. <laughs> Let's hope that's, so. That's what it looks like, at least on paper right now. But, Steve, you covered uh, the Raiders a lot this season. Yep. Uh, you were at Allegiant Stadium quite a bit. You saw a lot of their games. They've got a busy offseason. Yeah. They've got a big offseason. How, how big is this for the Raiders? What do you think they – well, they need to start, obviously, with the quarterback. But yeah. how do you build this, this team up in the offseason where they're all of a sudden competitive again in a very – competitive AFC West. Well, I mean, yeah, like you said, you start with a quarterback. Yeah. Are you going to draft one and build? Right. Um, which seems like it it might be the smart play when you look at the rest of the division. Or are you going to go the veteran free agent? Right. Probably in some some form of both. Yeah. Um, but you can't have a competitive team in this division if you don't fix that defense. Right. Right. At all three levels, mm -hmm. they have got to get better. Right. And they know that. So I think you're going to see a heavy emphasis in free agency in the draft on the defensive side. Yeah. They've got some players they can still work with on offense, plenty of them. Um, but you, you've got to get – you've got Max Crosby and Chandler Jones, but you've got to get an interior. Linebacking play has got to get better. And, of right. course, on the back end, that was a big concern and issue last year. That's got to be shored up. So they've – you know, when you hear BPA yeah. in the draft, best, yeah, player, best available, player available, yeah. it's, it's actually going to mean something for the Raiders. Well, you know, and, and using the Eagles for an example, I mean, they have, what, 10 out of 11 of their starters were drafted guys. Yeah. So it can be done. Sure. And it can be done pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, look, not everyone has to take the Rams approach or the Bucks right. approach where right. F them picks. Yeah. We're going to go out and get some veteran players. Yeah. It can be you build it, you re-sign your own guys that you develop mm -hmm. in your image. Right. And you make it happen. Look, the Raiders did it that way when they were pushing for the playoffs a couple years ago. When they had Derek, when they had Khalil, when they had Amari Cooper, right. they decided to change directions, and it didn't work, but they had built some homegrown talent. There's all kind of ways you can do that in the division. See the Chargers yeah. doing that, right? The Chiefs have done that. They went out free agency and helped their offensive line after the last Super Bowl. Yeah. But look, this year they draft. They've got six rookies starting for them. Mm-hmm are playing integral rotational roles, most of them on defense where they went heavy in the draft. Right. It can be done, and you can work things quickly. How, how, how important is it to bring back Josh Jacobs, the, the, just the guy, he, how important he is to that locker room? I mean, let's not be crazy. <laughs> right. I mean, he's young. Yeah. He is productive. Right. Once they decided that he would be the focal point of their offense, that's when their offense started to function with right. the normal as he last year. Mm -hmm. So it's huge. Yeah. And if you try to say, well, we're not going to pay him or whatever, he is going to go shine someplace else. Mm -hmm. So you better replace him with somebody of that caliber who fits what you want to do. Otherwise, it's going to look like a bad move if you don't bring him back. Well, when you have guys like that, like uh, Josh Jacobs and Max Crosby, how important is that for the locker room to be able to see that, hey, if I go out there and do my work, they're going to reward us? Now, that's, that's the huge thing. Yeah. That is a huge, like, okay, if I go out, this is an organization that's going to value what I do. Right. And, and that's going to work. And that's why teams continue to succeed. That's why the Steelers, mm -hmm. you know, and some of these teams are continually there 
we're going to draft our guys, we're going to develop our guys, we're going to reward our guys. If you let good talent go, yeah. again, the Raiders have seen this with Khalil Mack, with Amari Cooper. Other right. guys are going to be like, well, what's up? Right, right, you know? right. Or you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's why up until last year, they drafted like in the top 10 for like 11 straight years right. because they would draft guys, develop them, and not re-sign them. What's right. the purpose what are you doing? Of that? What are you doing? You're paying other people to come in more right. money instead right. of signing your own guys you, you develop in your image. So I, I think, again, for the morale, yeah, that's a really huge thing. But, again, you have a coaching staff in their second year that's trying to figure out how they want to identify this team. So you're going you're gonna to see a lot of turnover as well. Yeah. Well, before we let you go, I know uh, the, the Hall of Fame honors are, t are this evening. Yep. I know I can't pry out of you who's going to be a Hall of Famer, but just to be a part of this and, and to be able yeah. to, you know, just how exciting is it to know that it's another class that you're about to announce? Yeah, so I don't have a vote, but I am part of a lot of things as to where I, I know who's in the class. Right. And it, it's absolutely amazing because, first off, those 48 or 49 voters have a very difficult job. Yeah, exactly. To, to see who's going in. And then you look at some of the, like the first ballot guys always, guys like a Joe Thomas. Right. Like, okay, whoever presents him to say Joe Thomas. Right, right. right. High and by. <laughs> right. But, it's, but it's, it's so rewarding because as players, and every one of them to a man will tell you, when you're playing, they're not playing to get into the Hall of Fame, right. playing for their teammates, they're playing to win championships, or they're playing to win a paycheck. Mm -hmm. But then in hindsight, when they realize that there are only 362 players, coaches, and contributors of the tens of thousands, right. like 30,000, who have played, coached, or contributed to this game yeah. on the NFL level, that's rare air. Yeah. So it really means a lot. And for me to have some little grain of sand of participation in that, it's everything to me. It's awesome. It is. Well, we, uh, we, we appreciate you. We always appreciate you and uh, all your knowledge, and uh, have fun with the Hall of Fame. All right. Thanks for having me on. And we're back on Radio Row with ESPN's Louis, excuse me, ESPN's very own mm. Lewis Riddick. Uh, Lewis, year two now as we get ready for the Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler uh, yeah. project here in Las Vegas. Yeah. Uh, a mo you know, 2022, a year of highs, a year of lows, mm -hmm. uh, but a year that lacked consistency. Yep. Right? I think yep. that's fair to say. Yep. When you we're looking into 2023 for the Silver and Black, what do they need to do, you know, at a very high level to kind of turn this thing around and get some get them where they want to be? Yeah, I, I think. At the highest level, from a macro standpoint, clearly the one-score game type of situations are things that, look, Josh comes from a program where that is something that was emphasized, right? So that, that's kind of the world in which New England lives in, which is mastering situational football. So in those one-score games, we know how to mentally dial in, lock in, so physically we can get the job done. That's something that he's just going to have to get his players to understand. Now, obviously, there's another component to it. There's, there's the actual physical skill required in order to win at the highest level in those situational situations. So he's going to need to get better players, and he knows that. He, he knows that on the defensive side of the football in particular, they're, they're going to need to have players that, one, can help out guys like Max Crosby so it's not always put on Mad Max to kind of close out games. He has to have running mates. He has to have more playmakers at the, at the second level on the defense at linebacker. Definitely have more people who can take the ball away in the secondary because they just aren't good at doing that right now. So I think it's a combination of, one, getting the mindset right so they understand how to execute in those situations, which is how New England won for years and still wins, and, two, having better players that once there's a play to be made, they got to make them. 
And so him and Dave will go to work this offseason trying to acquire those kind of guys, no question about it. It's something I talked to him about when we were out there for the Week 18 game against KC. And you kind of saw it show up in that KC game, the difference in the gap between the Raiders and the Chiefs. Although, although if you go back to the regular season, they're right there. Yeah. They're right there, and had it not been for, you know, maybe some route confusion between Devontae and Hunter Renfro, maybe they win that football game. So we'll see. You know, from a front office perspective, and we've talked to Dave about this a little bit as we've kind of, you know, eased our way into the offseason. Yeah. You know, he kept saying that, you know, him and his staff now, this is year two, and they have the benefit of a full offseason, right? Mm -hmm. they, you know, Josh and Dave got hired in late January yeah. of yeah. last year. From a logistical scheduling real-world standpoint for Dave and his staff, what is the benefit of them having done a full cycle now and now going into year two with the complement of the entire calendar in front of them? Well, now they got to see exactly how Josh and his staff – really try to evaluate players, develop players, utilize players. So with all that intel, now they hit the road this, this coming fall, and they go, look, this is the kind of guy that Josh needs from a makeup standpoint, from a body type standpoint, from an execution standpoint, because we've seen now how he, he kind of uses them under our umbrella, in our building, under our roof. So as the season goes along, then there's also having all that intel to where he can have that back, back and forth dialogue between himself and Josh, himself and his scouts who were out there on the road to say, hey, look, if you're recommending this kind of guy or you're putting this kind of guy in this kind of category, remember, these are the kind of things that we need and that we want based off of how last year went. Let's not spend too much time on this guy. Let's spend more time here. Let's just make sure that we're diverting our attention and our resources in the proper space. That's really what it's going to be about. Now it's not really a fact-finding mission as far as trying to figure out what the coaching staff needs. You know what they need now. You know what kind of players they need. Now it's about making sure you get your eyes on the, in the right space, which really that's what the NFL is when you're talking about personnel, right? It's a race against the next team to identify the right guy and then getting yourself in position to get him. Because everyone knows who the best players are. It's just whether or not you can get in position to take them and or pay for them in free agency faster than the next guy. You know, when you talk about trying to find those those great guys, you know, we've heard a lot about year two now being able to kind of fine tune the process from a front office perspective yeah. in terms of what the evaluation looks like, the communication between the scouts and Dave and his yeah. group and, and all that. You know, so as a guy who's been in those rooms, who's mm -hmm. been in those meetings, who's had those conversations, mm -hmm. what does fine tuning that process really look like and, and how important is that for Dave and Josh as they go into year two and really try to get this thing rocking on the right foot? Well, I, I think it's – look, I think the way the Patriots do it from what I understand and from what I know, it's very much so understanding roles within a football mm. team that you're talking about fine-tuning. Not so much trying to predict what round a guy is going to go in and get so caught up on this guy's a first-round or second-round. They don't really care about that. They want to care about identifying the player relative to what kind of role he would have for New England – or not New England, for the Raiders, <laughs> right? and making sure that you identify him properly so that that guy can then be evaluated and say, man, and scout him properly. Hopefully I'll see you tonight. Um, so I, I think that's what they're talking about. And I think you need to make sure that your scouts are all on the same page and everybody's kind of seeing it the same way. Like these are the kind of requirements that a third corner has to have, that a number one pass rusher has to have, that a three down backer has to have. And making sure, so then with that, then obviously scouts can put their own spin on things and kind of like, obviously they're going to have their own opinions about guys. But I think that's the fine-tuning aspect, to make sure that we know how we want to build our program and what kind of players we want so there's no gray area. 
and then that way Dave isn't having to kind of go over the top of everyone and go, no, that's not what we're looking for. Remember, that's not what a third corner looks like for us. He, he can kind of like then just focus on, let me just make sure at these critical positions that we need, I can like kind of put my attention there because he doesn't have time to watch everybody. He doesn't have time to double check everything that every single scout does. And early on when you're building a program like that, you probably find yourself doing that more than you want to simply because you want to make sure everybody's on the same page and seeing it the way you want it be, to be seen. Yeah, that's a great point because when we were talking to Dave when the season wrapped up, that's one thing that he really harped on. He goes, I'm allocating my time differently yep. this offseason. Yep. And I'm learning where I need to spend my time, areas where I can let go a little bit and exactly. let my guys do their thing. Exactly. But, uh, you know, for the first time in almost a decade now, Lewis, the Raiders are going to have a quarterback change. Mm -hmm. uh, an exciting moment, I think, for fans of this team. You know, a moment that, uh, like I said, is a, a, we haven't seen in about a decade. Yeah. You know, stating the obvious, like how important is it for the Raiders if they really want to get this thing back on track, if they want to compete with the Patrick Mahomeses, the Justin Herberts, this beast of a division, yeah. to get that quarterback position right in the next couple months? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's everything. I mean, it's critical because look at the kind of guys that you're dealing with in your division. And what you're dealing with in the AFC, mm -hmm. okay, notwithstanding Russ's season that he had in Denver, okay, which we'll find out whether or not that was just an aberration or whether that's part of a bigger trend in terms of his career. But let's just take Patrick and take Justin. Those guys are freaks, not just physically, but their commitment to the game, their love of the game, and then their ability to play the game in their head before it even, like, transfers to their body at a level – that is pretty damn unique. Mm -hmm. Okay, so those guys have, like, the amount of mental horsepower that they have is kind of second to none. So not only do you need a guy who physically can compete with them, you need a guy who also can run this offense that Josh likes to run, which is very much so puts a lot on the quarterback, puts a lot on the wide receivers to be on the same page as the quarterback, a lot of interplay adjustments that happen based off of leverages, coverages, fronts, and all that. I mean, that, that's, that, that's, a, that's a ton. So you're not only just looking for the next great thrower of the ball, you're looking for the next great leader and next great, like, I want to say football intelligent guy at that position, like he's used to having when he was in New England. You, you know, get spoiled after 20 years of yeah. having Tom Brady. So that's the standard, though. That's what, that's what he's looking for from a makeup standpoint. And I think what's so interesting with the Raiders as we sit here right now is there, it feels like there's so many different paths they could take to try to find that sure. guy. You, know, sure. you have the first round, you're at seven overall. Obviously, the free agency market will mm -hmm. bear itself out in a few weeks or a few months here. But it, that to me is, is perhaps the most intriguing thing where yeah. there's you know options A, B, C, D, E, and F. Yeah. And it feels like none of them would really be surprised at the end of the day. No. I mean, it, I mean obviously, you hear the names or the name that keeps getting connected to the Raiders. Could they move up? Would they make a move to move up to get either CJ or Bryce if they thought that that was a, you know, a possibility? Number one and number two, if Josh liked him, liked one of those two guys to the point where he thought they could be a franchise quarterback, which I can't see any reason why he wouldn't. Is Will Levis in play? Is it going to be Aaron Rodgers? I mean, you hear all kinds of stuff, and you know, it'll be interesting for me too to see what kind of what kind of track they take because this league really does not. This league isn't built on patience anymore. This league rewards results, and it rewards immediate results. And when you're talking about the kind of – like, think about it like this, too. Kansas City's here in this Super Bowl. You know how many rookies they have contributing to them on their football team right now that are playing significant roles? Like, just six from this year's draft class. And their quarterback is 27 years old. 
He's 27 freaking years old. And they've got 11 draft picks this year. And they've got a bunch of cap space, and they're going to get more because they're going to make some moves this offseason. So they're only going to get stronger. So whatever move that the Raiders make, it has to be nailed. Otherwise, you're, you're, you're playing for second place in the division. It's just as simple as that, unless Andy Reid retires or something like that. And, and really, the Chargers are right there, too, with their quarterback. So, look, they, they understand the gravity of the situation. Yeah, critic- I'll be interested to see how they address it. Yeah, me too. And it's a critically important offseason yeah. for the silver and black, as you mentioned. Lewis, yep. thank you for coming to hang out. Of course. And I must say, I love seeing the brick and the jersey whenever you got the remote shoes from home. So keep <laughs> it up. It gives me a smile and a best of luck this week. You bet, man. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Raiders Podcast Network. For all things silver and black, download the Raiders app and visit Raiders.com.